0: You're listening to A Mindset on Things Above. This is episode 70 with my special guest, Sharice Brunner, on God's Favor. Okay, hey guys, I have a special treat for you today. I am interviewing a dear virtual friend of mine, Sharice Brunner, and uh I had a couple technical difficulties at the beginning of the episode or when we were getting started so what happened is i recorded the episode on my laptop but didn't realize i could only record 30 minutes at a time on the desktop version of anchor so we got to about 30 minutes and i was like oh shoot so there's like a weird stop start in the middle of the episode where we maybe recap or like go over again because we left off and had to restart but i got all the goods for you and um other than that listen in to Charisse's story on god's favor and his goodness i promise you will be blessed Okay, welcome back to the episode. This is episode 70 and I have a special guest with us today. I am so excited to introduce my dear friend, Charisse Brunner, to the podcast. I've known Charisse for a little while now, a little while, I don't know exactly how long, but Charisse has such a sweet, great story of how God has shown favor to her and her family throughout her life. And uh we've been talking back and forth and she was sharing some of these instances of how God has shown his favor again and again. And I felt blessed and encouraged to hear your story and I was like I would love to share this with my audience because it's so beautiful, and God's goodness is so sweet and so amazing. So we have the one and only Sharice Brenner with us here today. Sharice, welcome!
1: Yay. Yay! Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. And I've got my little brunners here listening
0: in. They're very excited to hear their last name. Ooh. <laughs>
1: this is Evelyn,
0: and I have Olivia over
1: there.
0: Evelyn and Excuse Olivia. Me. Cute. Excuse me. Okay. So tell us a little history about you, where you're from, a little about what you do, or things in the past that you want to share of what you've done, know where you've come, um, and we'll just go from there. Okay.
1: Again, my name is Cherise, and um, my name in the Greek, which is Terrace, in the Greek does mean favor. And I didn't know that, I didn't find that out until I was about 20 years old. But yeah, I grew up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I was born in Denver. My parents moved us to the Rocky Mountains when I was five, and I grew up in a very small mountain community. Bailey, Colorado, so shout, shout out to Bailey, um, the place where I grew up, yeah, that's that's home, and then uh, I met a Montana mountain man when I was 21 years old, and we got married, we had children, and we moved to the Montana mountains when our first daughter was a baby, so we've been here 13 years mm-hmm. in that small mountain community where my husband grew up in, and Yeah, we've been, uh, we're millennials, and we've been through a lot, but through it all, God has shown up, and he has shown us more than just his favor, his love, his grace, mercy, forgiveness, justice.
0: Yeah, you've learned some things along the way in the journey. You've learned a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, and Katie, um, yeah, we have been friends we're kind of besties. Uh, We've been friends for the last few years. I don't remember exactly when we connected on social media. It was through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there was just a a sparkle, a a spark about you that I was attracted to. I knew that you did coaching and some of the, the mindset things that you have and outlooks and philosophies around money and business were just very intriguing to me. So I'm so happy to have gotten to have deep conversations with you and get to know you and your story as well. And I do remember, I think it was um, maybe 2020, fall of 2020. I really wasn't looking to invest in any business things, but one day I felt like the Lord wanted me to invest with you. That's right. When, when I use the word invest, for me, um, the word means to bless another person. Mm -hmm. Because I personally believe I can learn a lot, anything from anyone, no matter who I've had coaches, coaches, mentors, you know, teachers in the past, I feel like no matter what level I get to, I can always learn more. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so I invested with you and then I found out we have a little bit in common. Yeah. A little bit in common. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I just think you're so sweet. Like we share a similar faith. We both believe in the Lord Jesus. And so we've talked about and shared our faith and our beliefs before. And that's what we're all about here on A Mindset, on things above, just focusing on things above, not getting caught up in this world, in this life, but how do we focus on heaven and our eternal future and living for the Lord here and now? And and how do we do that? like tools to to live this life, but remembering what our end goal is and how we journey through where we're at today. And so I know that one of your girls was born with a, a defect of sorts, and this is one area. Maybe that hasn't started, it's not the beginning of your story of how God has shown favor in your life, but share a little bit about that if you don't want.
1: Okay. Yes. I'll, I'd love to share about that. So I just want to start by saying all of my children are miracle children. Yes. Yes. And our third daughter was born with congenital heart defects that we didn't know about. And, uh, she was very, very sick, very close to death. And we had very heavy medical bills. Um, but the, the steps before that, with the birth of all of our other children, is actually what prepared us for, mm-hmm. for her, as much as you can be prepared for some, something like that. But yeah, um, when my husband and I were pregnant with our oldest in 2008. Um, He and I, my husband and I had both been working in the mortgage industry. We were still in Denver, Colorado. We both worked for City Mortgage, two different branches. And, you know, I was feeling like I needed a career change. I didn't know I could have children. Mm-hmm. And it had gotten to the point I was having a lot of health issues and I'm seeing doctors and, you know, we were doing ultrasounds, CAT scans. I think at one point I was signed up for a colonoscopy and I was like 24 years old and I, not one doctor thought I could have children. You know, i had been told in my early 20s that I might not ever have children. And so my mind was completely focused on career oh. and being a, newly, a newlywed my marriage, but also climbing the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I had talked about, one day in the future, it would be nice to have kids, but we were thinking more adopting, adoption. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even I didn't even think I could have children, to be honest. And so um, I was doing well in my corporate career in the mortgage industry, but I also had an itch. I wanted to move up. Things weren't moving the way I thought they should be moving, and mm-hmm. so, i changed industries and i went from being a workflow coordinator and closer funder in the mortgage industry to being a closer funder in the car industry (laughs) and i went to a new company just right down the street from where we were and i became a closer funder for a company that did all of the contracts between all of colorado's credit unions and all of colorado's car dealerships wow and It was intense, it was intense. Um, They told me my probationary period was 30 days and they wanted me to fund 40 contracts a day without mistake within 30 days. And because I had come from mortgage, I had done that within 10 days. And they were like, what? so they gave me more responsibility. Like, yes, give me more responsibilities. Like I was eager and I was signed up for overtime and all these things. I said I kept getting sick. Oh my gosh. Which I was having health problems, you know, and so we couldn't figure it out. And my husband and I, like, we had a wonderful savings for a down payment on a house. We were thinking about getting a brand new car. Like, you know, living the life as people in our early 20s, making, you know, really, really good money. And then one day, um, my husband kept looking at me and he was like, you are pregnant. Huh? I was like, no, I'm not. That's not possible. And I, I took the test, and sure enough, I was like, oh, it's never done that before, and so it was positive, and so that's why I kept getting sick. But um, oh, but yeah, how did he it, know? I, I think that it was a God thing, to be honest.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: I was like, how, yeah. how do you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, yeah. And so I took the test, and I did not. I wish I could go back and do kind of like the, you know, set it up and, and tell my husband in a really creative, special, right. precious way. And it was like, no, I'm not. I'll prove it to you. You go in, you come back out. Well, I guess I am, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I it guess was just, I am. It was just such a shock. And so anyway, um, I just I kept going back to work, except I was having difficulties and ended up in the emergency room a few times, and we thought I was going to miscarry, and so my husband and I kind of reassessed the situation, and I said, I know what I'll do. I'll go into work, and I'll just ask them to work regular hours, 40-hour weeks, until I can get to the second trimester, because everyone was saying, if you can just get to the second trimester, things will be Way better. You won't have all this morning sickness. You know, you don't. You won't have a big, a, as big of a threat of miscarriage. So I did. I went into the boss's office and I said, "Hey, I'm rocking it. I've met all my, you know, preliminary goals. You've given me extra responsibilities. I said yes to all the things, but I didn't know I was pregnant. Didn't know I was gonna be going back and forth to the emergency room. Do you mind if I just scale it back a little while until I get to this date?" which is the second trimester. Ugh. And he said, no. So I was like, so I went back to my husband, I told him what the answer was. And then we decided that day that I would become the stay home mom. Wow, <laughs> done, so, yeah. Yeah, I became a homemaker, stay home mom. My only job was to do bed rest and keep the baby growing wow. and safe. And we went from two really amazing incomes to one Uh which was okay, Uh but that was May of 2008, and by July of 2008, City Mortgage started laying people off, and my husband was one of the first people, so we went from two really good incomes to one with a new baby on the way, (laughs) (laughs) and um, yeah, it was really hard but in t- the year before that 2007 we had together as a couple decided that we would trust God and make God more the center of our marriage for where we were at at that time and that we, we would trust God for our finances because you can't mm. serve two masters mm-hmm.
0: right? Mm-hmm. That's and so,
1: good. Um, it was just like we're going to trust God and God God did show us his favor and we made it through that wow. You know, and, but um, you know have we not been through that and then every pregnancy and every child we've had, there's been something that grew us, grew our faith in that way. It allowed God to be the one to show up and show us
0: who
1: we are. Money can't tell you who you are, right? Mm. But God showed us who who we are. He exposed our flaws and what's in our heart and and he helped us. He, he became our protector, our provider, our help, our comfort, right? Yeah. And sometimes we can run to different things, especially like money, which can represent the things we think we need. Yeah,
0: or put our trust but, in.
1: Yeah, but God was our help. God was our help. So um yeah, so that summer with my husband being laid off, that was the best summer of my life. So You know, we got married in 2006, so I still consider us to be kind of newlyweds. This 2008. I got to spend every day with my husband. Yay! Um, Yes, and back then, like, to be honest, back then I didn't really know there's a big difference between men and women, boys and girls. Yeah. I was just like, he's my best friend, and we're going to hang out, and I get to take all these naps. Yeah! You know, and I could see a change in my husband. He was very down and very yeah. focused and he was he had a plan and he was firing off all of those resumes to this company this company he was going to um, job interviews after job interview getting called back second interviews he was hustling and he could not find a job and then as we know by um the late summer early fall of 2008 that was the economic downturn and yeah A lot of people were struggling back then and, and yeah, but I was having the time of my life. (laughs) Yeah. And so we were going to a little, well, not a little church, but um, for Denver, it was a smaller church. It was Colorado Community Church in Aurora. And I was part of the ladies Bible study. And every week, you know, they would be like, how can we pray for you? How can we support you? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, my husband, he's searching for a job. He's hustling. He's putting so much pressure on himself. He's, you know, getting down on himself. He's kind of beating himself up a little bit because he he can't make it happen. But I'm just trusting God and I'm reminding him. And, and, you know, they would pray for us, pray for us. Well, by August, I feel like God had a conversation with me. I don't Mm -hmm. know if anyone else has this experience or they agree with what i'm going to say but this is my experience so god had a conversation with me Uh and he said i went to him in prayer and i was praying for my husband I was praying for us to, to get a job or an income or something and god asked me when would you like your husband to go back to work and he wasn't asking me in a way of i want you to have the final say he wasn't asking me I want you to have control or be, you know, in order over your husband. Sorry, someone texted me. Um, He was just saying, "Therese, what would you like to see happen here? Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know, like, I don't know. And so I got the idea to go get my husband's severance package because when he was laid off from city mortgage, he did receive a severance package. And I read through it, and I think that this was really the first time God was showing me the gifts He had put in me to help my husband to be mm-hmm. his helpmeet. Oh, do you see what I'm saying? That's beautiful. And it was it, it it does have to do with strategy. So I read the severance package. He had um, with the layoff, he had a certain amount of income until a specific date, and so I had to get my calendar read the severance package, looking all through it, you know, I had my husband's permission, right? This is not something I did, like, behind his back or to be sneaky or to take charge or reign or be an authority over my husband. Uh I just want to make that very clear to everyone. Yeah, Because I believe in God's order. Right? And I am a business person. I'm an entrepreneur, but I know the consequences now of stepping out of God's order, okay? So I read the thing and I looked at the calendar. I lined things up and I could clearly see that our family financially would be out of money if my husband did not get a job on or before October the 1st. Okay. <laughs> and so that's the answer I came up with. God, you asked me, when would I like to see my husband get a job on or before October the 1st? So I circled it in red. Now this conversation happened in August. Okay. <laughs> so August, September, October. Yeah. Great. And also, part of the severance package is that we had, through the city severance, we had health insurance, medical insurance, through December the 31st, 2008. My due date with the baby was December the 28th, 2008. <laughs> <laughs> but, this child was born on January the 1st, 2009. And so oh. that's all- We ran out of insurance, we had to pay Cobra, which was a ridiculous amount. But like I said, all of this experience helped with other children. Eventually, we got to millions of medical bills, right? So, anyway, is just 2008. I circled October the 1st on my calendar and I showed it to my husband. I called my mom. (laughs) Like, people (laughs) were like, "Um, what is going on? And I was like, yeah, I had this amazing conversation with the Lord, and God's going to provide. And I feel like, you know, this is the date that God, we worked on it together. And the next time I went back to our Bible study at church, all the ladies were like, what's the status? How can we continue praying? Did your husband finally get a job? And I'm like, he's been submitting resumes to everywhere, and he's been hustling on the phone and calling people. And, you know. Old contacts from other places he worked before the mortgage industry just trying to see where he can get a job and there's nothing. But don't worry. God said that he'll have a job on or before October the 1st.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: and the leading of that Bible study, they were like, one lady was very concerned about me. She was like, um Therese, that is not how God works. Like, God doesn't work like that. And so I actually, I went into my shell, and I was like, oh, no, did I? Did I hear wrong? Did oh. I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? You know, and so, but I, I feel like what God was saying was just trust me.
0: Yeah.
1: Just let it go. You can't make it happen. If it does happen on October the first or before, you're not making it happen.
0: Yeah. Just trust. Oh me. yeah.
1: And so that took a lot of the pressure off, and I continued in my pregnancy. Pregnancy got so much better once I hit second trimester, huh. um, and I'm not sure. If This is too grotesque to say on the podcast, but, um, you know, I was, when, when you're a woman and you have your your menstrual cycle, when I was single or just met my husband, you know, they told me like my cycle was very irregular and I didn't really have one.
0: Mm
1: And then I got pregnant. You know, yeah. not knowing like when your cycle is, yeah. you're actually, like I didn't know any of that stuff because I didn't have it hard a cycle. <laughs> and so then to not have a cycle and be pregnant and then you're not supposed to bleed while you're pregnant and then be bleeding, oh. you know, like that was really scary. And then to have, you know, the emergency room and the OBGYN saying, you know, you could miscarry, like that was a big deal right
0: it was a a miracle you got pregnant in the first place and now this yes
1: yes and so once I got to that second trimester Mm -hmm. I was doing amazing and I did think about you know I could go back to work but it was already done right we had decided you know and we were trusting God and so um more of the summer went by my husband and I got to spend a lot of time together before Mm our baby arrived Mm -hmm. and then um you know the rest of August went by. September's going by. Now we're in like the final week of September, and I still hold held on to the promise that God is going to provide. And um, my parents had invited us up to their house in the mountains for a day of chopping firewood. That's like my dad's favorite activity. Mm-hmm. And my husband likes to help my dad do that. And so there I am, nice and big and pregnant. And, you know, my mom was doing housework and hanging out with me. And I literally remember just vegging out on the couch, just being pregnant. <laughs> I was half pregnant. And the guys are outside. My mom's cleaning and running in and out of the house. And my husband's phone rang. <gasps> I answered it, and it's a very professional-sounding person saying, May I please speak to Robert Bruner. I was like, yes, hold on for a minute. And so I take myself all the way out to the backyard, and I find my husband, and I hand him the phone, and I'm watching him have a conversation with whoever it is on the phone. And he gets off the phone, and he's like, this company I have never heard of got a hold of my resume. I didn't give it to them. They got it somehow and they want me to come in for a job interview. And so I think his job interview was September the twenty eighth. And his first day of work was October the first.
0: No way. Yes, way. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, um, yeah, and so
1: you know, God God didn't have to do all that. He didn't, you know, I do consider it. A favor the word favor to me is blessing right yeah and i actually took some notes in preparation for this podcast but um you know so our i was able to finish my pregnancy my husband happily went back to work the job was actually in the same town in the denver metro area we lived in aurora The job was in Aurora, you know, he didn't have to commute very far. It was work that he enjoyed doing. He eventually, after a few months, went by and after the birth of our daughter, and we had to pay a very large amount of money for cobra insurance. But my husband did end up taking a second job. So he was working during the day at that it was like a call center and then he worked at night doing what he used to do right out of high school, fixing up old cell phone towers and things, you know. network so he um he worked very very hard to provide and protect for our family
0: yeah
1: you know but um i will never forget the look on my mom's face when my husband got off the phone because my parents were standing right there and i was you know and i was like i knew god would show up you know and our parents Mm -hmm. my parents ended up taking us out to dinner that night and it was like so amazing it was a buffet i ate They had a chocolate fondue fountain. I ate strawberries with chocolate for dinner. Like, that was my favorite. Celebrate! Yeah. um, Yeah, and so then four months after our daughter was born, that's when we moved to Montana, and that was also a God thing. And then I continued with infertility, and then we got pregnant again with um, a baby I ended up miscarrying. And that was very sad. And then... I got pregnant right away with my rainbow baby, who you just saw a little while now, and, um, you know, God provided, we had financial hardships through all the, all the babies. Yep, Evelyn right here, she's a miracle. Hi, Evelyn. I, Mm -hmm. I almost miscarried Evelyn. Wow. And the day she was born, when the doctor handed her to me, he said, did you ever think you would be here holding this baby? And I said I did not. And he said, I didn't either.
0: Doctor,
1: <laughs> thank you for not saying anything. Oh! My doctor's a Christian; he's a born again believer. Yeah. You know, so he knew the power of
0: faith, and oh. he
1: waited to tell me until after the baby had been born. Right. So there was no like the power I of had our words. That wow. Pregnant. It really, really hurt my faith. Hurt my mind. Yeah. You know, we're talking about things of the buzz. Right? That's so Yeah. So um, we had Olivia, two thousand nine. Named her Olivia after scripture in Psalms. Her name means olive tree, which signifies uh, fruitfulness. Yay! Right. She was my sign in the world of fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. And then our daughter Victoria. I miscarried her, and then we had mm-hmm. Evelyn. And Evelyn means life. So she's my rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. And then. 21 months after we had Evelyn, we had Avila Marie, (laughs) and Avila was born with congenital heart defects. We did not know she was going to have heart defects, but yeah, uh, we live in a very small town here in northwest Montana. Mm -hmm. The town is like 6,000 people. Very small. And. The surrounding towns are, are even smaller. The, the actual town my husband was born in is like 200 people.
0: Yeah. Country.
1: So um, she was born. Pregnancies were great. I I always ask God for great pregnancies. Easy childbirths. I got those. Um, Avila was my fastest birth from start to finish. Four hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Four hours. Um, It was great. And then, you know, we left the hospital. We went back to the hospital for her first checkup. Everything was great. That was, like, day four. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then five days old, I noticed some strange things, like her hands and her feet were very, very cold. I was like, oh, none of my other babies had done that. But I put her in the bathtub, Mm -hmm. and then she warmed up. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe she was just cold, just only her hands and feet. Yeah, Nothing else it just very strange. Yeah. I did not put two and two together at that point. And then um, in the middle of the night, returning to like day six, um, she was grunting. I was like, is she gasping for air? She, what's going on? I'd never heard a baby like grunting. And then her eyes were, I saw her eyes roll around in her head Ooh. and then I saw her eyes do this. They went separate directions.
0: Yeah, opposite directions.
1: And I called the hospital. I didn't even wait for the on-call doctor to call me back. I just knew through intuition, right? This was not God telling me. It was like the mommy alarm on the inside was saying something's wrong. I told my husband and he was asleep, you know, and after you have a baby, you are exhausted. My oldest child, Olivia, at the time was four and then Evelyn was 21 months old. You know, so, so really little kids, and we just had a new baby. I think I had had, like, a couple of hours of sleep in the last few days. Like, I was out of it. My husband was out of it. And I remember waking my husband up saying, there's something wrong with the baby. She's grunting. And he said, oh, she probably has to poop.
0: Yeah, something. Oh, uh, you're like, no, you don't understand. <gasps>
1: like, oh, so I mean, I just wonder what would have happened if I was just like, oh, she right. just has to poop. Oh I got back to sleep, but. The mommy alarm, my intuition, woman's intuition, which women are different than men, Yeah, we are different, was going off, and all I heard was, get your butt to the hospital, and so our hospital is thankfully not that far of a drive away, it's like within 10 minutes without traffic and things, and just the drive, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, pitch black. We gotta go. (laughs) December, cold, and... From the time I left the house to the time we got to the hospital, just in that ten minutes, she got significantly worse. Oh. And uh, when we got her to the hospital, they we were admitted into the emergency room right away, but I literally saw them try to poke her anything. Yeah. Anyway, hundreds of times, they could not get a thing. All of her veins were flat. We did not know she was in the middle of heart failure. I even at one point saw them take her tiny baby heel and a little knife and cut the end of her heel off and try to squeeze blood out of it into a a dish so they could get some type of blood to get to the lab. Like, we had no clue what's wrong with this child. Yeah, and so um, eventually they were able to get an IV in her and stabilize her. And this is the hospital she was born at. But um, about 12 hours later, my husband was able to get a family member to come here to our home and watch our children so he could come be with us at the hospital. By that time, we had two vehicles at the hospital. I drove in there, he drove in there. I, I was a hot mess.
0: All right. Okay, so welcome back, friends. I didn't know that our recording had a max of 30 minutes so end of part one continuation of part two (laughs) sharice thank you so much
1: okay so i was talking about we got our baby to the emergency room yes we live very close to the hospital where she was born and just this is in the middle of the night Dark out no traffic we were able to get there In relatively good time, I did have to kind of slow down because she was getting very worse Yes. on the way there. We got her there and got admitted straight away to the emergency room and they could not start an IV because she was in heart failure, so all of her veins and her lines went completely flat, but we did not know that at that point, but I saw them literally stick her hands, her feet, her elbows, her head, her neck, everything. Oh, baby. Probably a hundred times, just trying to get an IV in so that they could start an IV, but also draw blood to send to the labs. They eventually, and more and more people were, they were recruiting more hospital workers to come in the room. You try it, you try it, I can't do it, you, you know. Oh. So there was- Really skilled to to handle a newborn baby like that, and then I eventually saw someone take her tiny baby foot and a little knife and peel oh, the edge of her heel oh. and cut it, and they were literally trying to squeeze her foot to get a drop of blood. To and land
0: nothing, or
1: they eventually got a line in her. But yeah, so we were there for hours, and oh. she, meanwhile, I was um, nursing her. My best eater. She wouldn't. She wouldn't wake up. She wouldn't eat. I was getting, you know, full of milk. Yeah. And um, she wouldn't even wake up to eat. She was non-responsive. We were saying her name. I was trying to hold her up. She wouldn't hold herself. the baby's new words are still strong. I mean, they can't sit up like an older baby, but you can tell when their body.
0: Yeah.
1: No, her body had just gone limp. Like she had no strength, and so um, they were able to stabilize her, and get her a room. About 12 hours later, you know, got there like one o'clock in the morning, 12 hours later, by that time, my husband had recruited a family member to come to our house to babysit our four year old and our one year old so that my husband can be with us at the hospital. So now we've got two vehicles at the hospital because I drove there in the middle of the night, my husband drove there in the day and the hospital is now saying to us. uh, One doctor said, I hear a very faint heart murmur. And that was like my first telltale sign. But we, to this point, did not know she was in heart failure. And I also think that they didn't want to scare us. But the hospital said, we can't handle her case. Yeah. We have a birthing center. She was born here. But we don't have a neonatal intensive care unit. We can't help her. So what we're going to need to do is load her onto an ambulance and ship her to another hospital here in Montana that has a neonatal intensive care unit where they'll be able to help her and they'll be able to diagnose what's wrong. Because in my mind, I thought maybe she had like a, a Barbie shoe stuck in her throat the way she's grunting or yeah. something had happened. And so they said it would be a little while. And I told my husband, I'm so exhausted. We need to drive both cars home so that we can drop one car off. We'll just take one car, drive it to another city away to this other hospital and so we came home dropped off the car checked on my kids i ate a little bit and then we headed out (sighs) by the time we got to that other hospital the baby had already arrived and they were already they had already been able to help her and test her (sighs) so i get to the the floor where the baby's at i'm walking down the hallway i walk past the room where the baby was at they had about 25 people hospital workers in there working on her oh my gosh And it was unreal. It was like a movie. And I see a doctor start walking toward us. I clearly knew she was in charge. She was covered from head to toe. All I could see were her eyes behind her safety glasses. Her mouth was covered. I did not see any of her hair, any of her skin. I couldn't tell you what she looks like if I were to see her. I still don't know what the baby looks like. But she came to talk to me and she said, when your baby arrived... We went ahead and ordered some tests, and we did some ultrasounds. We did an echocardiogram. She has congenital heart defects. She's in heart failure. We have already ordered a medical jet. It's on its way. You have 30 minutes to decide if you're going with her. She's going to be flying out to Seattle Children's Hospital. That's the hospital that can take her right now. The three hospital choices were Denver Children's, where I'm from, Salt Lake City Children's Hospital, or Seattle. Wow. And um, I'm looking at the room. I can see it. I can see people working on my baby. I can see the doctor. And I said, I literally said this to the doctor, not my baby. My baby is having breathing problems, not heart problems. <laughs> so out of it. I was in so much denial and fear just overtook me. Like, I've been through a lot of scary things, but fear just overtook me, wow. and um, I got on that airplane, and it was the world's tiniest jet. It was the world's tiniest plane. They literally, they were like, how much do you weigh? I oh. we have to the airplane. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I just had a baby. I don't want to tell you how much I weigh. Oh, my they have, um, A very awesome, amazing pilot, two travel nurses, me. And the very sick baby, and I got on the airplane, and within a few hours we landed at Seattle Children's Hospital. I think it was probably around eight p.m. Montana time. Oh, Seattle is a different time zone. Their Pacific time, but um, so yeah, I mean, from one in the morning until eight p.m. that night, like when I took the baby to the hospital, I did not know I was going to be on an airplane that day. I did not have time to say goodbye. My children pack anything. <gasps> Thankfully, I had my wallet. I did not have my purse. I grabbed my wallet and the diaper bag, and I got on that airplane. And the baby and I were at Seattle Children's Hospital for nine weeks. <gasps>
0: oh my gosh!
1: Yep. Oh. So um, we eventually got into the Ronald McDonald's House, but yes. Yeah, so I was kind of homeless, <sighs> living at the hospital between Ronald McDonald House and the hospital. Our daughter did not. And the reason they said a parent has to go on the airplane is because when the baby gets to the hospital, a parent needs to sign consent forms for her to have heart surgery. No way. And so, um, yes, I got on that plane. I watched my husband wave at me from the hospital as I'm in the ambulance. They're taking me and my daughter to the airport. They have a very nice Set up at the airport where they have special planes and staff for medical emergencies just like this Uh, we flew into seattle children's airport again we landed in a very special place i could see the seattle ambulance waiting for us Mm. we landed right next to them they loaded us off we got on their ambulance and we booked it to seattle children's hospital and it was very traumatic i was eventually diagnosed with ptsd and i struggled very much with um, my mental health oh, after that wow. for a few years, but even with that, God has been so good and shown me favor and, and blessed us and things. But um, it's a miracle mm. that my husband and I are still married yeah <laughs> something like this. But yeah, so we got there. One day goes by, two days goes by. Um, I had no food. I, couldn't, I didn't have a place to sleep or rest.
0: So they weren't um, prepared like- for that. <laughs> prepared for everything else but to take care of you
1: yeah um i was engorged because i had started nursing and then the baby stopped eating she Mm. couldn't eat thankfully um i spoke to a nurse right before i got on the airplane and someone gave me a hand pump so i'm like hand pumping on the airplane with all these strangers but they didn't care because they were just trying to get there and get my kid stayed stay the life but um the baby almost died on the ambulance oh Seattle ambulance, you know, and so the first night when we got to the hospital, they would not allow me to see Avila, they separated us. <gasps> and I just remember, um, I really had to use the ladies room, and I passed a, a nice lady, I didn't know who she was at the hospital, the hospital was packed, right, I just came from a very small town, a very large city, I'd never been to Seattle, I didn't know anybody there, I didn't know where I was, yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, I was just incredibly sad and I had a lot of fear. That's all I had. And then yeah. the, the same thing. I go to the bathroom, I pass a lady. I remembered her, I come back out of the bathroom. They say, you can't see your daughter. You have to stay in the parent lounge. So I'm just sitting in the parent lounge, which is a very nice room, but it's full of people. And I'm just sitting there. And that lady from the hospital hallway comes right up to me and she kneels down and she puts her hand on my lap. And she says, Hi, my name is, and I saw you guys come. I saw you guys come into the hospital. My son just had his open heart surgery. He's seven. We've been here three weeks. Can I pray for you?
0: And said, yes. Oh my gosh. And then
1: said, but do
0: you pray to Jesus? No. Yeah. Oh, you're so cute. No. <laughs>
1: believer in Jesus. So I said, let's pray. she prayed for me and God provided for me so much in that moment. He gave me the spiritual strength that I needed because it was so hard. And then um, after the, the prayer, I I mean I was just staring into her face and she was still just kneeling on the floor like her motherly instinct and her compassion and her humility. You know what I'm saying? To just like she could have sat next to me, she could have sat with me, but she right. kneeled on the ground, and uh. I will always remember that, uh. and um, we just sat there in silence, it wasn't an awkward silence or anything, and then she just started sharing about her son and, and his journey, and that really helped me, and so that's one reason why I always share my children, especially Vila's journey, because I know it's going to help another person, yeah. but um That night went by. Another day went by. They finally started letting me see Avila. A whole third day went by, and I'm starting to get upset because I'm like, why did we have to come out here? You said she needed open-heart surgery. She was hooked up to all kinds of machines. She was not doing good at all. And finally, a hospital worker, like a nurse, she said it as kindly as she could. You know, your, your baby has three different things that's wrong with her, And, you know, finally they had uh, a surgeon come and talk to me too. So, and I had to, that's the day I sat down and signed consent with him. And I had to go, it was a contract, a very thick contract. He literally had to read to me every single thing that was wrong, all the things that he was going to do in the surgery, every single thing that could go wrong. I had to understand all of the risk. I had to understand what I was entering into and agreeing to and sign it. Oh my gosh. this is how he explained it, because I was so mad. I was like, why are we waiting so many days for her to have surgery? And he said, look, she's got three things wrong with her. We see all three things all the time. It's very rare to have two out of the three things. It's almost unheard of. She's got three out of like, it's so rare. We weren't sure. We're still not sure if we can operate and save her life. She would need a new heart as a whole. And he kept saying a new heart as a whole. And I literally had to say, are you trying to tell me she needs a heart transplant? And he said, we're trying to prevent that, but she might need a heart transplant.
0: From another baby? Is that how that would
1: work? That's how that works. That's how that works. And I was already sad. And then i was devastated and then i had to sign all the things like she could have came out of the and he told me he said i don't know if i can keep oxygen to her brain during the surgery it's going to be a 12-hour surgery So like a 12-hour process my baby was 11 days old yeah oh. and so i said she could i saw it on the paper she could come out blind she could come out brain dead she could come out not being able to talk that happened Uh, so many things wrong, you know, and so I signed her away, it was one of the saddest moments of my life, walking with her down the hallway and then getting to the point where they're like parents can't come past here sending her with a complete stranger i never met this person before in my life right, and just surrendering and allowing and trusting you know, but God sent that lady to pray for me and then um, they worked it out where I was able to eat hospital food for free
0: Please something, you know, because I was nursing her and I had the little,
1: the hand pump. I had proof that my baby started breastfeeding until this happened, you know? And so the hospital hooked me up with meal vouchers for, for nursing moms. And then they hooked me up with a really nice breast pump, like really nice quality breast pump, you know? And then they, they gave me a little room, which was like a closet with a mattress on the floor. It was freezing cold. I've never been so happy and appreciated appreciative of something because I didn't have I didn't have pajamas and after you birth, at least for me when after I did birth I sweat a lot. Mm. And so they had a a shelf in the hallway of extra pillows and blankets. I went over there and grabbed me some sheets. I made myself some pajamas yeah. you know, just like uh being resourceful, right? Yeah. I'm like
0: whatever you have. (laughs) I
1: have to help keep my kid alive. Like I have to be here for her. She's going through a lot. I have to be like, you know, and so yeah, her first open heart surgery went really well. Um, As well as it could be, there was all kinds of complications. And then um, we had to repeat the surgery a few weeks later, everything they did. Didn't take, so they just did a reconstruction. So she was eventually moved from the cardiac team. She was in the cardiac intensive care unit, which is next to the neonatal intensive care unit at Seattle. So they had two different departments. So they had a department just for heart kids. So she was in the right place that could help her. But um, she eventually was moved from the cardiac team to the heart failure heart transplant team. Oh. So she was at risk for heart transplant twice. You know, and that's how that works. Where are we going to get a new heart?
0: Oh my God.
1: Another person. And yeah, she had a few little neighbor babies. That hospital was packed. They had so many kids in that hospital. And in some cases, Avila was one of the healthiest ones. No way. She was not doing good. Yeah. So it was a very traumatic, hard situation, like I said. By the time we got to leave, we were we had been there for nine weeks, and then when we brought her home, she was still high risk for heart transplant. This is uh, February 2014. Our family went into quarantine, yeah. so we've already been through a quarantine. Um, the baby was on tons of medications, on a feeding tube. Like I said, they nicked her voice box. <gasps> either from the incision or all the tubes that had to keep going up and down. And so she lost her voice completely. She would cry. You could not hear her. Right? And so that happened twice. And they even got to a point where they said, she might not ever talk. You might just need to learn sign language. But um, thankfully, she is my loudest child. (laughs) Yeah, And so now she's eight years old. She's doing amazing. Her name means my father is God. We picked that name in the pregnancy with her way before we knew there was something wrong. But um, we had over a million dollars in medical bills. That was all paid completely in full. All glory to God. Thank you, God. Yes. Anything that pertains to her, her medical stuff has always been paid. Like last year, two years ago, we learned she was having brain issues as a result of all her cardiac issues so last year we had to take her to a, a new brain doctor that's a three hour drive away yeah we had 30 appointments with him last year you know and, and that was not covered by health insurance it was all completely paid all the gas money all the things was completely paid um, yeah so i mean god is good his blessings and favor we do not deserve it i don't feel you know that's what favor means it means unmerited favor grace
0: Hmm. (laughs) i remember can you share um if you don't mind a little bit of where the um how you covered some of those costs i know you've shared with me where some of that has come from in the past and that is just glory to god of how that happened and where that came from can you speak to that a little bit absolutely yes
1: and so I do remember we we're there about week five or six at the hospital. She had already had two open heart surgeries and a failed cardiac catheter surgery. The cardiac cath almost killed her. She came out of that with blood clots, and she was having a hard time with her digestive tract. So she had all kinds of feeding tubes. But she was so um, malnourished, her skull was sinking in. Oh my God um she and like i said they had done the second open heart surgery right at a month old right around four weeks old it was just a reconstruction of everything they did the first time and so now here we are week five week six i finally mustered up the energy to communicate with the financial aid department because i was so terrified of what the bills might look like and um I went to her office. It was right there within the hospital. I had to walk a little ways. It's a big hospital. But she sat me down and she showed me, like, the hospital itemizes, like, every single, every Band-Aid, every Tylenol,
0: yeah.
1: every syringe, every morphine. My child had a morphine drip and other morphine, <laughs> you know. Um, and she showed me. She's like, congratulations, you have a million-dollar baby. And, uh, yeah, but. Thankfully, um, she hooked me up with the correct place to apply for financial aid. The way the Seattle Children's did it at that time, it's just a disclaimer. I'm not a financial expert, and I don't speak on behalf of any insurance company or any hospital, but for how it was at that time, our family qualified for, for medical aid because my husband made under a certain amount of money. And the way the hospital did it back then was you either qualify or you don't. Yeah. Yeah we're going to pay it off or we're not going to pay it at all. And so while working with your insurance company, so um, my husband's employer at that time had amazing insurance and we had to pay all of our premiums and our deductibles and everything. But yeah, um, they were able, the insurance company was able to work with the hospital. They were able to negotiate through a stop loss company. So they even had to bring on extra help. My husband's insurance company told us that Avila's medical case was the most expensive and the, the the most complicated one that their company has ever seen here yeah. in the state of Montana. But it went through the smoothest.
0: No and the fastest. Wow. That
1: is God right there. That right. Is <laughs> they they had to bring on all these other departments and specialty people because they didn't know what to do, you you know? And so they were able to bring on what's called a stop loss company. The stop loss company negotiated a hundred thousand dollar discount and it was still over a million dollars. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And so how our insurance worked was, um, you know, the, the insurance resets the beginning of January. So had the baby in November, I owed all my maternity. Because having a baby is already expensive, right? It was like a couple thousand dollars. And then um, the deductible, like you pay your premiums, you pay your co-pays. You have the the deductible and all that for me and the baby. Mm -hmm. She was born in a hospital. And then she was born on Thanksgiving Day, so November 28th of 2013. Readmitted to the hospital, all the ambulance rides. The medical jet was $18,000. Yeah. Um, all the ambulance, all the things, and then admitted to Seattle Children's Hospital December 4th or 5th, I can't remember. You know, so that medical bill started, and then she stayed in the hospital, and then insurance resets January the 1st. So she started the year in the hospital. Her second open-heart surgery was January the 2nd, 2014. Those hospitals, you know, so we, we had a few deductibles, but even those deductibles god helped us pay because i had some uh businesses here in montana after we got the baby back home mm-hmm. they they planned a surprise fundraiser for us and this mm-hmm. is why like when people ask me sharice why are you an entrepreneur why are you in the business space the high ticket coaching industry i'm like i have no idea other than all the times we've needed help god sent entrepreneurs That's right? And so this fundraiser, I remember um, the night of the fundraiser, they handed, they generated $5,000 cash and other money came in from that. To this day, I still don't know exactly how much, but I'm thinking, you know, it was all charitable giving and giving. We talked to our tax guy all about this, you know, at that time. But, you know, I think it was somewhere around $10,000 from the wow. time we were in the hospital, just people giving us money, people giving us resources to that fundraiser, and then it was right after that fundraiser we got the check for a million dollars to pay off. Like that whole transaction went through. You know, like they didn't give us the check, they obviously gave us all the um explanations of benefits and paperwork showing the bill made out to the parents of a dealer brewer. Oh, wow. us, this is what you owe, this what was incurred, this is what's owed, this what's being paid off this is who's being paid off by so it was all paid in full even the deductibles you know and then wow. with all the cash and things that that was generated from that fundraiser um, local entrepreneurs network marketers um coffee shop you know they just all pulled together and mm-hmm. they, they had a charitable giving night for us for our family you know and so thank you God, forever yes. thankful all <sighs> the entrepreneurs who are involved you know who you are you know what you did forever grateful our entire family is grateful may god um getting emotional may god bless you and multiply you for all the generosity you've shown us because that's biblical what you give god is going to multiply that yeah you know you so sparingly, you're gonna reap sparingly, you know. So, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just so much gratitude, and we got to show you the favor that you've shown us, and let me show up for other people the way that other people showed up for us. So mm-hmm. that to me is how oh, the favor works. It's
0: <laughs> so precious. Oh my goodness. Uh, I am just like I was saying. I'm just like enticed listening to your story. And Charisse and I are speaking face to face. We're on a video call, but this is an audio episode. If you could just see our reactions to each other, our facial expressions, it's your story is so amazing to me. It's heartwarming. It's amazing. It's a testament of God's goodness. And even I was saying it's encouraging because I love to hear your story. It encourages me to trust God and let go and allow him and we have whatever amount of faith we have if it's the size of a mustard seed whatever size or quantity we have it's enough for what God allows in our life and for the life that we are here to live we with the power of the Holy Spirit we have what we need to walk this life And uh, your story of God's favor and his blessings in your life, Charisse, is a beautiful example. And it it was my intent to give hope to whoever hears your story and this episode to give hope because we're all going through trials and difficult times and you went through a very difficult time. And here you are in the midst of it. Not that it's like roses and butterflies. Now you're still on a journey, but you can speak to the goodness of God and how he's provided for you. And you're still with your husband. You guys are still in love. All of these things that you're focusing on that are good and wonderful and pure and lovely and righteous and holy and all these things. You could focus on all the difficulty and the lack and the challenge. And God, you showed me favor in all these other areas of life. You could maybe you have question like, why me? Why is this happening? God, don't you care for us? Like, why did you let this happen? But I think having a mindset on things above and to those who are called according to God's purpose, he works all things out for good. And it's not for us to judge God can't use that, or this is too bad, or no good could come from this. It's not for us to determine the goodness that God can work out. He is a good father. He is our good shepherd. And your story is such a wonderful, beautiful story of how you can let go and trust God. And he'll provide in ways that we expect and didn't have a clue ever in a million years that he would provide in this way and take care of us, but he does always. So we have about two minutes left or so before we reach our max of this recording on my laptop. I will give the floor to you. Is there anything else you want to share? There are so many other examples. Maybe I'll have you on another time. Maybe we'll do that because there are so many other stories that you shared with me in our friendship together that speak to God's glory and his favor and his goodness in your life. And I love to just share that with my audience. Maybe we'll have you on another time, but in our last minute together, dear (laughs)
1: Sharice. Well, I just want to thank you so much for asking me on. And I was quite nervous to be honest. yeah, you touched on so many important things. It hasn't always been roses and butterflies. I actually wrote that down. And, you know, I did have those questions. I did have that lack of faith and, I, and the feeling of desperation and hopelessness and all the things. But it's, it's even in that, it's not our strength. Like you literally have to say, God, I can't do this. I need I need you to help me.
0: Yeah, thank Kay. you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Cherise. All right, I'm so glad you listened to Sharice's story. Wasn't that amazing? I caught myself so many times saying, uh, I was like, no way, no way. That's like my phrase. That was my response to a lot of what she said because it was just so amazing. I can't believe it, no way. Um, so we kind of ended, not abruptly, but we were out of time again. So I wanted to take a minute to outro Charisse. She has more stories of how God has shown favor to her and her family. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have you on for another stint. And hopefully the tech works itself out next time you come on. But definitely if you... Want to talk with Charisse or connect with her on her experience or her story? She is such a wonderful person and Is open to chatting and sharing more about her experience her story if you relate or want to know more That's what happens when we share our story is we help others we bless others we help others and That was a couple reasons. I wanted or asked if she would share is because I know that it's such a blessing to hear what somebody else's experience has been and how God has been faithful in her life, and he will be faithful in ours. So I will include Sharice's contact information if you want to connect with her. Um, And stay tuned for part two of Sharice's story, probably in the near future. Thanks for listening in today. Be blessed, and I'll talk to you next week.